This is your station, your music, the world famous WXIN, Providence, Rhode Island, USA. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elman. So we talk about the latest and greatest happenings in the world of sports here on 90.7 WXIN. We have a lot to talk about today, a lot more than I thought we were going to have to talk about last Sunday. We, of course, have the thing big, big thing that the Patriots have done. We have a lot of other stuff from around the NFL. We still have a game from Sunday to analyze that I haven't even thought about in the last couple of days. And then we have some Bruins stuff to talk about, some Celtics stuff to talk about. We are not going to be jo- being joined by our good friend Joe Gudrid of Real Sports at 101.com. So there will not be a time to do your joke today, but that's all right. If you want to call in and talk about any of these topics tonight, listen, don't be afraid to call in at 401-456-9946 or at 401-456-9946. 8787. Anyway, you are listening to the Stadium Experience with your host, Jake Elmsley, on 90.7 WXIN. And with all that out of the way, we are going to dive right in. So, before I start anything else, I want to apologize for the show starting late here, but I was having some technical difficulties getting the first ever Stadium Experience live stream going on the Mike Kane Memorial live stream. We're live right now on Facebook live as I continue to say the word live. So if you're listening and you'd rather, you know, see my pretty face while I do it, don't be afraid to do that. Watch there. It'll be up on the official stadium experience Facebook page. I shared it on my own Facebook because, well, I'm friends with more people on Facebook than people who like my show, who like my Facebook page. But anyway, you can look it up on the official stadium experience Facebook page and watch me as I do it. Anyway, though, with all that, Out of the way, obviously, if you don't know yet, which I don't know how you don't, but Monday night, the night before the end, the final night before the trade deadline, the New England Patriots traded Jimmy Garoppolo to the San Francisco 49ers for the, and this part's important, for the 49ers second round pick in this year's NFL draft, which was pretty surprising as all hell that this finally happened at this point. This was a really exciting trade deadline from all sides, really, but so I'm looking at the camera. I'm having a hard time dealing with it right now. But anyway, this is different. This doesn't, this brings to an end the saga that was the Jimmy Garoppolo trade experience. Obviously, we've been talking about this for years now. Was he going to get traded This offseason. And then it was all the drama with that. You had Schefter going out and saying, oh, not one, not two, not three. They won't even take four first-round picks and trade Jimmy Garoppolo. No, they're never going to trade him. And then he didn't get traded. So, you know, a lot of us started to assume that, okay, this means that Belichick sees Garoppolo as the heir apparent to Brady. He's going to be the future. But wait, Jimmy Garoppolo, he only has one year left on his rookie deal. He's not just going to stay in New England to be the backup. So are they going to have to franchise tag him? Are they going to get rid of Brady at the end of this year? And there were just all these questions. And there are still all these questions now that are created by this. But he's gone now. He's in San Francisco with Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch and... This just opens up 
a whole new door of questions, which I'm going to get into every angle of this because there's a ton to talk about with this. Just as there was before he got traded, there's a ton to talk about now that he's traded. And knee-jerk reaction to this? Don't like it. Don't li I mean, I don't like this trade. I'm not, I was never in the, you can't trade Garoppolo camp. I was never in the, you know, the Garoppolo is untradeable. He's going to be the next guy. He's a franchise quarterback. Look how good he was for it, the, the first half of the game he played against the Dolphins. And he was, you know, pretty okay against the Cardinals. And then he didn't play again and. He kind of sucks in the preseason, but whatever. So I never bought fully into the Garoppolo is the next guy. He must be the next guy. He's going to be the next, you know, starting QB for the Patriots for the next 10 years. But I assumed that by not trading him, that was what Belichick said. And before it, I went, yeah, if you can trade my knee jerk during the off, well, not my knee jerk, that's not the right word, but my gut instinct during the off season was if you can trade this guy and get, you know, a first round pick from Cleveland, get number 12 overall, or get a package of picks with, I don't know, a late first rounder and some thirds and some fourths. I was in the camp of, yeah, unless you think this guy is a potential franchise quarterback, yeah, you trade him. Now, if he's a potential franchise QB, I think it changes the dynamic a lot, obviously, because you don't just want to be getting rid of those guys out of the blue. But if you think you can do that, and if you think you can keep him, because being able to keep Garoppolo, as I said before, last year of his contract right now, you don't have any restricted rights on him. So he will be a free agent at the end of this year. The only option would be to sign him to some kind of deal which I don't think he would be willing to do if Brady was going to stick around because why would he sign that and then stay and be the backup? Or you franchise tag him for $25 million for him to sit on the bench, which I didn't think they could really do. So I thought that the timeline on this was very weird. I thought it would be really challenging, even though they thought he was the next guy, unless they were willing to get rid of Brady or unless Brady fell off a cliff and it was then an easy transition to make. I thought the timeline was going to be weird with it. I, I didn't fully buy into the idea of Garoppolo being a franchise quarterback. I mean, there are guys all the time who have flashes, who have short bursts where they look like they're going to be the next big thing, and then it just doesn't work out. I mean, Brock Osweiler two years ago in Denver, I didn't think he looked great, but other people did, and Houston thought he could be a guy. I mean, going back to Matt Castle, he looked very good his first year, and that's not to say that Garoppolo did not look excellent in the first half of that game against the Dolphins. He was doing things at the line that guys who have been playing QB in a league for eight, nine, ten years can barely do. He was making all these throws. He was showing off the athleticism. Just things. He looked He looked as good as, you know, a second, third-year QB can look in the first half of a game. I'm not saying that. He looked amazing, but still... Guys have looked amazing for short, short bursts of time and then gone on to be nobodies and then gone on to be nothing. So I didn't fully buy into it. I was like, okay, this guy might be a franchise guy, but what's to say he's not just going to regress to the mean and then just be, you know, some average bum. 
after a little bit, and you passed upon the opportunity to trade this guy for a first-round pick from Cleveland, the ability to go get a guy like Derek Barnett or Hassan Reddick at linebacker. You know, just yeah, I'm 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 happening to mention guys at positions that the Patriots desperately need right now. <laughs> Funny me, but. Then Belichick didn't make the trade. He didn't trade him. So, and you had, you know, once again, you had Schefter coming out, yelling about, you know, not giving up one, not two, not three, yada, yada, yada. You had that all coming out. So, I'm like, okay. I guess that Belichick does look at this guy. He's had him for three years now. He's been a part of the team. He's seen him practice. He's seen him in preseason. He's seen him do this. He's seen him do that. He obviously saw him play, and Belichick obviously believes in this guy. And fine. I mean, Belichick does not have a good history of drafting QBs, which I brought up before in the past when talking about Garoppolo, but fine. If Belichick thinks that this guy is the guy, and he thinks he can be a franchise QB, and the next guy after Brady leaves... Fine. I assume that if he's not trading him, he has some kind of a plan. He, oh, Well, he either thinks that Brady's going to fall off a goddamn cliff this year, and it's going to be like, oh, yeah, look, Brady. He either, he either thinks Brady's going to suck this year, and it'll be a super easy move to make, and then you can re-sign Garoppolo and move forward with him, or he has some other kind of plan to keep him either they feel comfortable with the franchise tag which i can't believe that they would feel comfortable franchising a guy for 25 26 million to sit on the bench or they i really don't know or maybe they just maybe garoppolo just really doesn't mind riding the bench for eight years which once again i can't believe that and then but so you had the reports coming out that Browns were offering them first round picks that this and you know now Ian Rappaport is you know walking back on those which I'll get into in a second but yeah you had the res- you had the reports coming out of that but he doesn't trade him but then eight games into the year at the trade deadline where guys are usually at their lowest value which, I mean, I won't defend, which is just a point. The guys are at the lowest value at the trade deadline. And he trades him and he gets a second-round pick. My, it's a good second-round pick. The 49ers are 0-8, and they're absolutely terrible. So unless Garoppolo is the lord and savior in the reincarnation of Joe Montana and manages to lead them to, at this point, winning out for the whole year would leave them at 8-8. Eight and eight. And by the way, the 49ers actually have a very tough schedule coming up, believe it or not. But they'd be eight, and I mean, they're going. This team is probably going to at most win two games, so it'll be 34, 33, 35. So it's a good second round pick, but still, in a league that's so starved for QBs, in a league where teams play, paid where a team paid Brock Osweiler sixty something million dollars. Just because he looked kind of not awful for eight games in a league where you were able to get a first round pick for Matt Castle. <laughs> we were able to get a first round pick for Matt Castle in a league where just you see teams trade up to draft, you know, where you see a team 
like the Bears trade up to draft a college QB who had played 13 games in college in Mitch Trubisky or guys who come from schemes where they don't even know how to break a huddle, which is actually also Mitch Trubisky, but where teams where anybody who has this, where teams will just get horny and go and do anything to get anybody who looks like they even have the slightest inkling of the ability to become a quarterback or the any inkling of the ability to adequately play the position is a second round pick. Did he not get enough value out of that? And I understand you have the people coming out and saying, you know, oh, well, obviously they're not going to get a lot for him. He only played two games in the pros, blah, blah, blah. But then the counter to that, Deshaun Watson, Mitch Trubisky, Patrick Mahomes, and now coming up now, well, not even that, but you, okay, you look at this upcoming class, now that we're in this year, but Sam Darnold, Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, they've played zero games in the NFL, is all I'm saying. So it's not ridiculous to think that teams would place a value on a QB who they at le- who they know has, you know, gotten coaching from the best coach of all time, from the greatest NFL coach of all time, and at least you have at least you have six quarters of NFL tape on him where you can at least see that he knows how to handle an offense. And he was a guy who was drafted in the second round, so it's not like he was a nobody. He was a guy coming out of college who some teams liked, obviously, if he was drafted in the second round, and he was up there on a lot of teams' boards. So obviously there was something there. So, yeah, it's not ridiculous to say that teams would put a value on this guy, at least if you're just, even if you're just comparing him to college prospects right now, the QBs coming out of college right now, or more at accurately, the quarterbacks who were coming out of college in last year's draft when, you know, the trade rumors were really swirling around. I don't know. It's not ridiculous to think that teams would look at that and go, okay, we'd feel more comfortable going with Jimmy Garoppolo than, say, Deshaun Watson, who, mind you, Deshaun Watson is absolutely balling out right now, and he looks like he's actually, like, a legit guy, but you get the point. Coming out of college, there were a lot of questions about a lot of the QBs, if not all the QBs, in this draft class. Sup, Xander? There were problems in the QB. There were people had concerns, so I don't know. I just think that there's it's not ridiculous to say that teams would look at Garoppolo and think that maybe that was something that was worth considering trading a first round pick for. Just because if anything, if you're if you're sitting at, you know, 12 and you're going, okay, we actually like Jimmy Garoppolo more than we like Mitch, like more than we like Deshaun Watson. I mean, I hate to say Deshaun Watson because he's playing so good, so it defeats my entire point. But say you're sitting at 10 and you're like, okay, we actually like Jimmy Garoppolo more than Patrick Mahomes. Why not trade that first round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo and get the guy you like more? Just because he's been in the league. And, you know, there's the, there's the, you know, there's the argument that you won't get him on his affordable rookie deal and you'll have to pay him more. But still, the point still withstands. So, yeah, is a second round pick, even if it's enough, is that, is that enough to warrant the fact that they 
not got rid of Garoppolo because once again, I was fine with the idea of them trading him. I was fine with you have this asset, you've developed him, and now cash out on him because it's not he's obviously not going to get the chance to play. Brady's been playing at a very high level. So once again, unless you thought, com- unless Belichick thought coming into the 2017 season that Belichick was, excuse me, that Brady was going to fall off a cliff, unless you thought that coming into it, you, you can move on from Garoppolo. You cash in on the asset. You're not going to be able to keep him because the timeline just doesn't match up. And you, I don't know, you cash in the asset. But now that he's only, ca- and then he didn't, and now you have reports coming out from Rappaport tweeted this on Monday night that actually there were no first round picks being offered by the Browns. It was actually just a second in change, which I, I don't know if I can believe that now. If anything, that suddenly it's changing. Suddenly there were no first round picks being offered for Garoppolo. And that was just, we, you were lying or was Schefter lying? Or all these guys just wrong? Or is Belichick just coming to these guys and telling them like, hey... Tell them that it was only seconds so I don't look as bad? I don't know. It's just... It's... It's just, it's frustrating now. Because the return on Garoppolo really is, at this point looking at it, the return on having Garoppolo, developing him for four years, was you were able to win two games... And you were able to move up at best, at the very best, if the 49ers finished with the worst record in the league, you were able to move up 19 spots from where you drafted him at 62. So then, you know, would they have just been, and then the other argument, something else I've heard them actually is a great question. (laughs) Would they have been better off just taking a player who would, Excuse me, I unplugged my headphones right there. Would they have been better off taking a player who would actually have just been on the field for them for the last three and a half years? I mean, And you look at it, who got drafted right after Jimmy Garoppolo, literally the next pick by the Dolphins, was Jarvis Landry. So, you know, you beg the question, okay, did Bill kind of screw this up? Could they have just dra- Could they have drafted Jarvis Landry instead, had him for the last four years, a guy who I think is absolutely phenomenal when they were just these little inkling of trade rumors that oh the Patriots might go out and get Jarvis Landry I was like I was all into that I think Jarvis Landry is a phenomenal player he's a guy who I think would just fit great here and you get the point like not even just that oh well they could have had Jarvis Landry but the point like that okay was it worth to draft and invest the time in this QB to four years later move up 19 spots in the draft ideally And I just think that that's a conversation worth having. And now we're seeing all these other things start to come out. And we're just seeing some, we are kind of seeing some weird quotes. Bill Belichick, or no, we'll start with this. And then this could have also been, we're seeing Belichick come out when he's addressing the trade. He's just saying, oh, well, and this, these are his actual quotes. I have tremendous amount of respect for Jimmy, blah, 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 blah. That's actually not the right thing. He's a good player, good coach, good player, good coach, good player, good teammate, yada, 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 yada. 
I met with him. You know, he's a great person to coach. I met with him weekly just to discuss how he was doing, discuss how he was developing. So Belichick was going and meeting with Garoppolo every week, just having a private one-on-one meeting with him. He keeps talking. He gushes about him. He says that we probably had, in my mind, the best quarterback situation in the league for the last two and a half years. It's just not sustainable the way things are set up, which is fair because, like I said, teams are horny for anybody that think could be a quarterback, so they're going to snatch anybody they can away. It's not sustainable. Not something we wanted to walk away from. I felt like we wrote it out as long as we could over a period of time, explored every option possible to sustain it. At this point, we felt like it, we had to make a decision. Very complex situation on multiple levels. This is really the last window that we had. We did what we felt was best for the team, and there were many things involved in the whole process. And then there were more interesting little nuggets in that. Like he says right there, we felt like this was the last window, which means that Belichick never had any interest in franchising him because... In the end, no, the trade deadline now is not your last possible window to retain or to at least find a way to trade Garoppolo because, like I said, at the end of the year, not to say it's the best option, but hi, Coach Rutina, not to say it's the best option, but you can franchise him and look for a way to trade him there like you did with Matt Castle, which it's not the best option. You know, the best option was if you wanted to trade him to trade him. (coughs) Excuse me. The best option was to trade him last offseason instead of holding on to him for eight games where he did nothing. But no, this is not the... But obviously, the Patriots, the organization, did not see franchising him for $25 million, $26 million. Whatever the tag for quarterbacks will be this offseason, it'll be high. It'll be something at least the mid-$20 million range. For them not to see that, they didn't see that as an option even at all, so this was their last window to trade him, which also means that they were not confident in their ability to keep him, which is fair because, obviously, it feels like Garoppolo would not be open to signing a deal at the end of the year. It's obvious that Garoppolo wouldn't be open to signing some, you know, two-year deal, even if he makes more money than any backup quarterback has ever made. While still not being starter money, but even if you pay him, I don't know, $30 million for two years, he's not going to be hoping to that. Because he, unless, you know, Garoppolo just hate, does not want to play, unless he's just Alex Moraning it and he has no interest in playing, he's not going to sign a deal. So you knew, so you had to know you weren't going to be able to keep him that way. You obviously, they had no interest. They were never going to franchise him. That was just never something that was ever on the table. So that either means that they didn't really care much about cashing out and getting the max value on him, which makes no sense at all. That's not the way that Belichick operates. That's not the way that any GM in any sports operates. They... they, or B, they really thought that, okay, if Brady goes down, if he gets hurt, we feel really confident in this team that we've assembled with, oh, we got Brandon Cooks, we got Dwayne Allen, we got Stefan Gilmore, we got 
David Harris. We got all these guys who most of whom haven't worked out. Oh, we have Julian Edelman. We have all these things here. We have so much in place that we feel like if Brady goes down, we just feel so confident that we can still win. We can still win a championship with Garoppolo at the helm that we just really want to keep that insurance because we have the best bat we have the best QB situation in the league according to Belichick which I think most of us can say in fairness at this point in the season that just with the way that Patriots have been playing with how reliant they've been on Tom Brady and mind you going into this year I thought they had this super team too I thought they had this absurd team I thought Stefan Gilmore was going to be the bomb I thought oh they got Dwayne Allen they have all these running backs they have Cooks I thought I mean most of us if not everybody around here thought that the Patriots were going to be they thought we're going to be excuse me, that we all thought were going to be great and they were going to have this excellent team. And they're still good, obviously. They're still 6-2. and two. They're tied for the best record in the AFC. But I think anybody who's watched these games can look at the team and say, like, no, this has not been a dominant team. That, And no, this team has been extremely reliant on Tom Brady, which is why, as homerish as it sounds, as homerish as it sounds, Brady's been my MVP candidate just because it feels like he's been carrying this team with the way the defense has been playing. Even though the defense has improved the last couple of weeks, which I want to get into later when I finally get to this Chargers game, which I did not have any interest in talking about after this Garoppolo deal, which is great. But So maybe they went, okay, well, if, if Brady goes down, which I agree with, if Brady goes down, the season's over anyway. So it doesn't really matter if we have Garoppolo or not. So let's just flip him now. We lost some value, but oh well. Or Belichick thought that Garoppolo or Belichick just thought, oh, well, I don't buy into any of this avocado ice cream or any of that. And Brady's just going to fall off a cliff this year. And then we have Garoppolo ready to take the helm. And we actually have a comment on the live stream line, which, by the way, if you want to leave any kind of comments for me, I love this. Coach Rotinas, uh, Chris Rotina, old coach of mine, saying, perhaps Coach Belichick just saw something in Jimmy G that indicated he was not the QB of the future. Just about every time the Pats said goodbye to a player, folks thought was too good to trade. Things have worked out. And to that, if they didn't see anything in him, if they just saw it in him and they thought, okay, this guy's not the QB of the future, they would have moved him, I feel, they would have moved him in the offseason. Because I don't feel like there's really anything they could have seen in the last eight weeks since the season began that would have changed their opinion of him. And Belichick in his press conference, which, mind you, you know, he could just be bullshitting. You never know with these things. But he seemed pretty genuinely emotional about this guy. He seemed like he was genuinely very much like this kid. Like he really liked coaching him. So I don't know if they didn't see him as the QB of the future or they didn't think he had that in him. They would have moved on from him. At the offseason, they would have moved on from him when the value was higher on him, when they could have traded him for more. I just can't imagine that unless they just really hated his preseason, which, you know, he wasn't great in the preseason at all. He, there were reports coming out that he wasn't great in practice, but I, ever since he was a rookie, it's all, the, that's always kind of been the deal with him. He's never really been too good in practice or too good in preseason, but they're just super high on him, and he played well when he played. So I just I can't buy into the idea that they saw something in the last eight weeks that changed their opinion of him. 
Now, what their opinion could have been changed of, though, is Brady is, I think, a big factor in this. And the fact that Brady's been playing as well as he has at age 40, he's been playing like an MVP candidate. I think he's been awesome this year. Again, he's had a rough game or two, but otherwise, this team has only been playing because of Brady. This team's only been able to really win because of him. He's been leading them on everything, and he's been really doing everything for this team. So, yeah, maybe going into the year, like I've said a couple of times, Belichick just thought, no, Brady's probably going to, like every other QB in the history of the NFL, except for Brett Favre with the Vikings that one year, is not, or I guess I think Warren Moon had a good season after 40, but like every QB ever just isn't going to be able to play well after he turns 40. And then maybe they're looking at it now and they're just going, oh, we were wrong. The avocado ice cream's working. Alex, whatever the hell his name is, this trainer, the concussion water guy. I can't remember his name. All the, But all this TB12 fitness stuff, it's all paying off. And we're wrong. We actually think now that Brady could actually play till he's 45 now, which is seemingly the plan for the Patriots now, that now they're banking on Brady being able to play till he's 45, or maybe not exactly till he's 45, but they're banking on now they believe Brady that he's going to play a couple more seasons now at a high level. And once again, if that's the case and they think that's the case, I say move Garoppolo, I say move Garoppolo in a heartbeat and cash in on the asset. But once again, I just feel like by not doing that in the offseason, they miss the opportunity for max value. Unless you, you know, you believe Ian Rappaport that just the Browns never offered them a first round pick. That was all hyperboil, hyperbole, hyperboil, I don't know. And it's just not true. So obviously the pressure now is on Brady to keep playing at a high level. There's nobody to replace him now. It's Brian Hoyer. So I'm not saying he's on, under pressure to get benched, but you know, kind of, you know, now the point is to put the mo his money where his mouth is and actually play until he's 43, 44, even 45. Because that's seemingly now the plan. Oh, I mean, that was his plan, but that's seemingly now the plan that the Patriots are endorsing. And then with that, another angle to this that's began to emerge, that's began to kind of come out from just another thing that's starting to come out of this now is that this might have been an ownership thing as well. This came out Monday from Ryan Burr of the, he's a guy for the golf channel, but apparently he had, you know, the inside scoop on the Patriots and he just, he tweeted that the relationship between Belichick and Brady, and I'm paraphrasing here, but the relationship between Belichick and Brady is quote, not great. And the quarterback's loyalty stands with Kraft. He also tweeted out that, and I can't find the exact tweet right now, but he also tweeted out that the Brady camp, him, his agent, who, by the way, him and Garoppolo have the same agent. Don Yee is the agent for both Brady and Garoppolo. So that's another hurdle to trying to get a contract done. But, what's up, Tom? But supposedly... Don Yee, I mean Don Yee, Brady, Don Yee, his whole, whole camp just felt like 
there was possible that TB12 was going to be traded. I hate talking TB12. That Brady was going to be traded, traded at the end of this season. And they felt that. And once again, the relationship between Belichick and Kraft, excuse me, between Belichick and Brady is not good. And that his loyalty lies with Kraft, which that's an interesting thing to read. And maybe there's some kind of legitimacy to that. Maybe it's because, you know, he claims that he has some legit source. He can't name it, but he claims that some legit source. He's not just a golf guy making this up, which maybe he is just a golf guy making this up. But say we believe this. You go down that avenue. You have Belichick meeting with Garoppolo every day. I mean, every day, every week. Belichick, who's extremely busy, who has a lot he has to accomplish as a GM, as the head coach of the whole organization. He has a lot of time. And, you know, most head coaches don't have a weekly private meeting with their backup quarterback. But you have him doing that. So you have Brady looking at it and going, no, they're starting to push me out here. Maybe I'm on the edge. They don't believe that I can play till I'm 45. They might think this is, you know, the last ride with me. You had some people who thought maybe the Patriots were loading up this offseason. That was why they added all these things, why they added Cooks, Gilmore, Gillisley, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. They added all these pieces because, oh, well, they're loading up for, you know, one final ride with Brady. And they're just and then he can go off into the sunset and hopefully we can win a Super Bowl this year and Brady can just walk away a champ. Or we can make him walk away like a champ. And that was a thought. And, you know, the idea that they have it, that they didn't trade Garoppolo. They kept him. They didn't find a way to. They did not sign into a deal, but. They did not sign into a backup quarterback deal. That, yeah, maybe they're just waiting till the end of this year and then they'll ship me off. Because obviously you could trade Brady for something. Somebody's, somebody's going to trade you for the greatest quarterback of all time. Somebody's going to trade you something. So obviously, you know, he's 40, but if he has a good year, somebody will trade you for Brady. But there's the idea that, yeah, it's not unreasonable to say that maybe Brady thought that and that maybe trading Garoppolo was not necessarily what Belichick wanted to do. There's a school of thought that may, not the school of thought, but is this idea that Belichick entertained the idea of maybe we'll move on from Brady at the end of this year. Belichick has always been in favor. He's always said one of his biggest, biggest tenants has always been, you know, we'd rather move on from a player a year early than move on from a player a year late. So if he thinks there's some decline coming, from Brady and it's coming and maybe not this year, but maybe it's next year, but we, you know, we would, it's maybe it's not next year, but maybe it's not this season. It's the next season, but there's some kind of decline coming at some point for Tom Brady. And we'd rather get ahead of it, ship him off and then not risk losing this guy. We have waiting in the wings who Belichick, maybe he thinks can't, I'm not saying that he does, but maybe he does, maybe he doesn't think that this guy can become a franchise quarterback. We'd rather get ahead of it and not risk losing that. But then maybe Bob Kraft stepped in and said, Bill, there's no chance in hell we're moving on from Tom Brady as long as he can still play. Brady's going to be the QB of this team. Look at the way he's playing now. We're not setting this up so Garoppolo can succeed him. 
You can try to resign him, but if and I'm and I'm also I'm not writing him a twenty-five million dollar check. I'm also not writing him a twenty-five million dollar check for him to ride the bench. So we're not franchising him. So yeah, you need to move on from him. Basically, you need to trade him or we lose him for nothing. Because once again, we're not setting this up. We're not moving on from Brady while he's playing. Hey, Adam, we're not moving on from Brady while he can play. So, which from, you know, a business perspective makes sense from just a purely, just from a purely business perspective, the Patriots make more money if Tom Brady is their quarterback just because he's one of the biggest stars of the NFL. He's probably, he's one of the most, if not the most beloved athlete in New England sports history we can do a ranking one day or if you want to comment on the live stream your beloved New England sports your beloved New England athlete power ranking feel free but from a business perspective yeah and just he's been here so long and Bob Kraft just wants him to retire a patriot and all this so he just goes no like the succession plan with Garoppolo is not going to line up and this is actually Bob Kraft telling Belichick Brady's going to be the QB of this team for the next couple of years. And that's just the way it's going to be. And not to say I agree or disagree with him, but if that's the case, which once again, I'm now I'm now giving you my takes on my own hypotheticals. Well, these aren't my hypotheticals. These are hypotheticals that are being tossed around. But if that's the case, I don't like that. I don't think you can like that. I never, I don't think any sports fan really likes it when the owner steps in and makes football decisions. Which once again, I'm not commenting on whether or not I do or I don't like the decision he made. Or I do or I don't like this hypothetical idea but it's just the fact that yeah you don't like to see owners come in and make decisions that they want the football people to make you know especially when the football person making these decisions is you know the greatest coach of all time so that's another angle to this and it's pretty easy to say that maybe just the success of Brady this year the way he's looked interference from ownership or you know Bob Kraft wanting Brady to stay here wanting Brady to be the QB for the next few years and a couple of other outside things that those have a lot to do and those are the things that kind of factored into why Garoppolo was traded why Garoppolo was traded obviously and why Garoppolo was traded when he was anyway though we are going to take a quick break here. Thank you for everybody who's hanging out on the official, on the Mike Kane Memorial live stream here. Once again, this is the first episode of Stadium Experience to be live streamed on Facebook Live on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. Also, this episode, as all episodes, will be uploaded to both the official Stadium Experience SoundCloud and to 
iTunes. Anyway, though, my throat is killing me. So we're going to take a quick break here. Then we'll be right back. I'll continue discussing some other angles to this Jimmy Garoppolo trade. Also, I'll be discussing some other stuff that's going on around the NFL trade deadline. Then I'll eventually say something about the game against the Chargers. But anyway, though, like I said, we're going to take a quick break. Then we'll be right back with the stadium experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXN. If you want to join the discussion about any of the things we've been talking about, feel free to leave a comment on the live stream. I'll talk to you. I'll answer them when we come back. And anyway, though, we'll be right back in just a couple of minutes. It's not the size that matters. It's the pleasure it provides. WXIN FM. I'm alright. Nobody but about me. Why you got to give me a fight? Can't you just let it be? 90.7 WXIN Stadium Experience. Jake Elmsley right here. We've been talking basically completely Garoppolo here on the first episode of Stadium Experience to be live streamed on Facebook. Anyway, though, I've really... We've just been talking almost exclusively Garoppolo here, and I want to keep going on this, honestly, because there's just... So much talk about this, and I realize I haven't really said what I actually would have felt comfortable with them getting, which I guess is a good, which is, yeah, something I probably should have brought up, but I'm not exactly sure what would have been the value they could have gotten for him that would have made me go, okay, that's what I wanted them to get for him, because once again, I have no problem with them trading him. I had I did not actually have this deep attachment to Garoppolo as he's obviously the QB of the future. That was never a deal with him. I went, okay, this guy is the QB of the future because Belichick seems to think he is. And they, that seems to be the plan, I'm assuming, unless they're just going to let him walk at the end of the year, franchise him. So that so I'll believe he is because of those factors. I'm not some scout. I can't actually look at the guy and tell you. Oh, this guy's obviously QB of the future. I can look at the two games he played and go, those looked great. He looked like a legit QB, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm also not going to be one of those. It was just, you know, it's kind of an in Bill we trust thing. Fine. He thinks he is, so he is. Once again, I was in favor of them trading him and get stuff. And if anything, just get stuff to help you win while you have Brady. Because in the end, I'm kind of okay with them. Because in the end, I'm kind of okay with them just cashing out now and just doing everything they can to win as many Super Bowls in the next few years as possible. And just whatever, if the team sucks after Brady retires for six, seven, eight, nine years, and I'm fine with that. I'll take that L. I can live with that. And also, I don't really care much for the... You know, the grooming your QB strategy, I don't, I think nine times out of ten, if you're drafting a young QB, you know, like I said too, I also don't really think that they need, that they needed to find the guy, you know, find the next guy while Brady's the QB is around, because in the end, I think if you're just, you can just bring, when the time comes when you, when Brady leaves, you just can find your next quarterback then. You can just go out, draft a guy, and then throw him in. Draft a guy that you like. Thank you for my shoes, Josh. Josh Percy, GM of the station, has brought me my shoes back. He had to borrow them to go to the welcome desk because he lost his shoes and locked himself out of his office. But anyway, he's now flipping me off, but you can't see it on the live stream. On the Tom, on the Tom, Tom, on the Mike Kane Memorial live stream. 
But, I mean, also, like, I don't really need this strategy, like, of you develop, of you need to develop these guys. Because nine times out of, out of ten, these guys come out of college and they play well. Or, I mean, they don't play well, but he's got, and they start and they either play well and they develop or they just don't and they suck. And it's just very rare, at least in my eyes, in the last, you know, 15 years that you see a guy who gets drafted, sits for a couple of years, and comes out and is successful. Outside of Aaron Rodgers, I guess you can technically count Brady because he was on the team for a year, but he wasn't being developed to be the starter. He just was there. And then he came out, and you, you know, you're seeing Deshaun Watson now. He's playing. And just usually, my kind of my rule of thumb with if you're drafting a young QB in the first round, or you're just drafting a guy to be, you know, your potential franchise QB, unless you, A, think he's just so behind the ball that he's not going to be able to do anything, which makes me question why you're drafting that guy if you just don't think he can play, or B, you just have such a bad O-line and that guy is just going to get beat up and it's just going to ruin him. Like what happened with David Carr and what happens with some of these guys who just go on teams with no O-line and just get sacked out the wazoo. Yeah. At those points, I say, fine, don't start the guy. But you know, my rule of thumb is I'm fine with teams. I would usually rather these teams just draft the guy and play him. So I was not, so that's, I just kind of have the stance. I just kind of had the stance since last offseason that yeah, trade Garoppolo, get what you can, load up, win as many games as you. Unless you think Garoppolo is going to literally be the next Brady, which I, I don't know how you can know that. Unless you have like a Chris, a time machine or something, and you've seen it, just load up, win as much as you can with Brady, and honestly, you just figure it out later. Find a QB in the draft after Brady retires. S- draft that guy sign freaking AJ McCarron if he's out there who's another guy I want to get into but you just you get my point but yeah I I guess I don't know exactly what because just because I've been going on a ramp for the last five minutes but I don't know exactly what the thing I would have wanted to see the trade value I wanted to see that would have made me go oh okay that's it they got good value for Garoppolo there but I I don't know, the 33rd, 34th, 35th pick, which I'm just, I'm talking about this from the assumption that, you know, that's the pick that you get from the 49ers. I'm working on that assumption. I, I don't know. That just, uh, that doesn't feel right. That doesn't feel like enough. But... I guess whatever. I mean, if that, unless, you know, once again, you're believing Rappaport and what they were being offered by the Browns was only a second round pick and change. Change, I assume, meaning a sixth, seventh round pick. And that's what the max value was. That I, I guess fine. Like, if this is really what the max value of Garoppolo has always been, at least going back to the offseason, then... I guess, I guess that, I mean, I guess this was the max value, which I have a hard time believing. Also, I have a hard time believing that this was the max value that you could have gotten in the offseason, just because obviously the guy has one half less, less of a year left on his deal. 
the team's not going to get as much out of him this year. So I would imagine that the value of him at the beginning of the year is higher than it was now halfway through the season. But And also, I don't even know if Belichick necessarily knew what that value was, knew exactly what was being offered, because based on the comments of John Lynch, the GM for the 49ers, the guy who obviously facilitated this trade, according to him, <laughs> when they called Belichick in the offseason, he didn't even want to talk to them. Like, they didn't even... He wasn't even, he didn't even want to listen to it. It was just, oh no, no, no. We're we're good. We don't we don't want to listen. We're not even gonna We're not even gonna hear you out. So maybe Belichick, which is ridiculous to me. I think no matter what player anybody's calling you on, if if that's the case, because I'm inferring from those from the bleh, from those comments that Belichick just, you know, got the phone call. He went, hey, you want to trade Garoppolo? Nope. And then just hung up. Which yeah, if that's the case, that's also not good because, you know, I, I feel like you should hear out the value on anybody. Even if you never intend on trading somebody, you should always know. You should always at least find out what kind of value you're going to be getting from people. Oh, the live stream crapped out there for a second. I got a little scared. But anyway, you should always know what the value of these guys is. I don't think that's a ridiculous thing to say. So if that's the case, then I don't know. I don't even know if they can know that they definitely got the max value. And also, I still have a hard time believing that, you know, a, se a good second round pick was the max value you're ever going to get from Garoppolo because of something that d didn't happen, but almost did. And that relates to my man, <laughs> AJ McCarron. A man who, if you ask anybody I've known for the last couple of years, is a guy who I have a just a weird, weird obsession with as a starting quarterback. A guy who I wanted the Patriots to draft in the 2014 draft with a roundup taking Garoppolo. I'm having some trouble with the live stream right now. Just if I can just see if I can, if I can shake this. Mm. Okay, well, the live stream is having some issues right now, but might have something to do with this awful Rick Wi-Fi, but anyway... We still got the radio broadcast, still got the SoundCloud update after, but A.J. McCarron, apparently on Monday, or no, excuse me, yesterday, obviously he's a backup QB for the Bengals, he started a playoff game for them, won them that playoff game for all extensive purposes, and then, you know, Vontez Perfect and Adam Jones decided to be dumbasses and try to kill Antonio Brown, and, you know, they got penalized, and Jeremy Hill fumbled the ball when they were kneeling, and all this stuff, but he... He essentially won them that playoff game, and what happened was that the Browns and the Bengals agreed to a trade for McCarron at, like, because the trade deadline was 4 p.m. yesterday on Tuesday. This show is airing on Wednesday. The show, the, bleh, the trade, the, the hard trade deadline was 4 p.m. on Tuesday, and they agreed to this trade at, like, 355 or something. They agreed like right on the deadline. The Bengals called the trade in. They went they called the league office cuz obviously you have to confirm with the league office. We traded the we traded AJ McCarron to the Bengals. I mean to the Browns. And then the Browns, I guess they were just celebrating too much. They were popping open the champagne at getting AJ McCarron and then didn't call the league office until after 4 o'clock. 
and the league decided to be hard asses and enforce the deadline. So the trade, so this trade didn't. Oh, and we got the live stream back. And the trade, so the trade did not go through, but it was agreed upon. They agreed to the trade completely. It was going to happen. And what the Browns would have given up for AJ McCarron, another guy who's been a backup QB since 2014, comes from the same draft. He was a fifth fifth round pick, I believe, because I watched the draft to watch him get drafted. He's a guy who's also started. He started a few more games than Garoppolo, but he's a guy who's looked at least intriguing. He's been another guy who's always been tossed around in trade rumors. So the Browns were going to trade them, were going to trade the Bengals, their second round pick in this year's draft, and they didn't say what, but a third round pick. They were going to trade a second-round pick and a third-round pick. The Browns, who are also 0-8, like the 49ers, and then they were going to give them a third-round pick. So apparently, you know, the max value right now for, uh, you know, an intriguing young quarterback who's had some time to start is not a second-round pick. Apparently, the max value at midseason is apparently a second- and a third-round pick, which makes me question even more if that's what they can if that's what the brown if that's what the Bengals can get for AJ McCarron why is what the why can the Patriots only get a second round pick for Jimmy Garoppolo a second round pick that conceivably is going to fall right in the same spot right in the same area as the 49ers pick because you know the Browns and 49ers they're both 0 and 8 right now so conceivably they're both fighting for the number 1 spot right now So, yeah, it's just, it's, it's interesting. It's just that, that kind of makes this a little more frustrating. You know, that makes it once again, a little harder for me to just flat out believe, oh, well, this is, you know, somebody who was okay with the trade, who never had a problem with the team trading Garoppolo. That also makes it a little hard for me to just go, oh, well, they got the max value. This was just what he was worth. All the stuff about, you know, first round picks and all this other stuff. That was all hyperbole, hyperbole hyperbole that was all hyperbole and yeah they got the most they can when you know another guy who is in the same you know area but is a little less well well regarded I feel like than Garoppolo and once again this is not me just you know loving the Patriots because I have always been I love AJ McCarron I loved him at Alabama I really want him to get a chance to start in the NFL. Just because I think he can be a, a legit starting QB. And I hope he gets that chance. And I am I feel bad that he didn't get that chance. I wish he could go to Cleveland and get that chance. Or go somewhere better. But. Yeah, it's just. It does make it harder for me to believe that this was all that they ever could have gotten for Jimmy Garoppolo. And yeah, that's frustrating. That's pretty frustrating to hear. To see, so, I don't know, or is John Lynch just such a better negotiator than, you know, Marvin Lewis? Or than Belichick? Like, is that is that the deal here? I don't know. It just, it's, it's frustrating to see that, because that's another thing that makes it hard for me to just flat out say that, yes, 
this was the most you could have gotten for Garoppolo. So, is there a lot of weird threads with this trade? And then, the other thing about this trade is that there are a lot of ways that it can go. Because now, you know, this, not to be dramatic, but this could be a kind of a defining moment. There were some scenarios where this can could potentially be a defining moment in just the history of the Patriots in the history of the end of the end of the Tom Brady, Bill Belichick era, or just the end of the Tom Brady era. This, you know, there are some, some scenarios here that, you know, the page that the pages come out looking great, that they come out looking bad, you know, cause say that even if, even if the Patriots win this year, it has nothing to do. Even if the Patriots win the Super Bowl this year, it has nothing. To, it, it obviously has nothing to do with, them having or not having Garoppolo because also they didn't move this pick for anything to help them this year. And that's something I want to talk about too in a little bit, but even if they win this year, it doesn't really affect what this trade is or what this trade means. We're having some issues with the live stream right now, but seemingly the Rick Wi-Fi is cut out entirely, but that's fine. But Anyway, so there were some scenarios, like, even the Patriots win this year, and then, say, Tom Brady falls off a cliff next year, and he's done, which, not saying it will happen, but, you know, say it does. Falls off a cliff next year, and then Garoppolo's balling out. He's everything we thought he would be, or everything people thought he might be. And, yeah, then the Patriots don't look so hot. And then, you know, they don't have a quarterback anymore and that and that and that. Then, you know, there's the obvious scenario of Garoppolo just isn't that good to begin with. And fine, fine. Garoppolo just wasn't good. They, We can argue about whether or not they got max value, but fine. It hasn't, you know, this hasn't set them back tremendously as a franchise. And then there's a scenario where then an interesting one, one where you start to get into the realm of debate. What becomes a debatable move is Brady does play another two, three years now at a high level. They manage to win at least one more Super Bowl in that time period. But then Garoppolo also goes on to have a very good career. Not even saying he has a Tom Brady-esque career. He's, he doesn't become one of the best quarterbacks of all time, but he's a legit, you know, guy who's constantly in the top 10. He's a top 10 QB. And the live stream has ended, but we had fun with it while we did. But he becomes, you know, he's a top 10. He becomes a top 10 QB for the next 10 years. And you go, okay, well, they were able to get something out of Brady. The timelines didn't just sync up. But then, you know, they missed out on having that next franchise guy for a decade or so. And on that one, I still kind of, you know, err to the side of, well, you were still able to win another Super Bowl with Brady. So everything... You know, all's well that ends well, and you figure out the QB situation later on, but that's another scenario that opens the door. You know, that's another one of these scenarios that that would be the one that would open the door for debate, and not to say it would, you know, define Belichick's legacy or anything, but it's a scenario that affects things. So, mm, I'm hearing myself right here. Anyway, though. We're going to take just another quick break right here. I need to just 
handle something weird that's going on with the microphones right now. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The live stream is now down. Obviously, if you're watching, you know that the live stream has gone down because Rick Internet sucks. But anyway, though, we will be right back in just a couple minutes. We'll be talking a little bit more Patriot stuff. And then we might just wind up doing the Patriots only show today. But anyway, you're listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. And we'll be right back. Plant a tree for your tomorrow. Do you know which tree Andy Jackson rested under on his way to the battle? Underground Railroad Freedom Center and the Ad Council. You will never find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. This is 90.7 WXIN. Experience Jake Elmsley right here on 90.7 WXIN. I have now fixed a little uh, mic microphone issue or the listening issue that I was having with the mics outside. They were talking and it was on the delay, and I can't handle that. I can't talk with that. But drives me up a wall. I turned off the the dump and all that. So if you know if I start cursing, I'm living on the edge here. But the live stream has died out. The live stream was very successful while it was going, by the way. So I actually like that. We're going to be trying to do that every week now on the official Stadium Experience Facebook page. If you want to at least see the first hour of the show, you can check it out there. Obviously, we'll be posting this episode to SoundCloud as I post all episodes. This episode is going to be a little bit shorter than normal ones just because I had to. Took me a little bit of time to figure out technology and get the live stream going. But eventually, I was able to get that working. So... That was a good thing. That was successful. And we've been talking a lot of Garoppolo here. This has been the Garoppolo show so far, which I'm fine with because really there's so much to talk about with this. Just like there was so much to talk about with the Garoppolo trade. So it's almost sad Well, with the talking about Garoppolo if he was, if he wasn't going to get traded. So it's kind of sad that we lose that story now. But at least for the time being, we have... So much to talk about. I don't have to talk about that stupid, stupid Chargers game from last week. So, one final thing, I guess, about the trade is that I, if I had to live stream, I'd ask people how they feel. But, you know, a, a thing, a real thing that does kind of is inter is the Patriots did nothing at the trade deadline outside of trading Garoppolo and outside of getting worse and you know downgrading that backup QB from Garoppolo to Brian Hoyer. The Patriots did nothing to improve, which when they made the deal for Garoppolo or they made the Garoppolo deal, the trade Garoppolo, Garoppolo Garoppolo, they made that deal at on Monday night. So I'm like, okay, they're giving themselves time now. They have the pick. They have. The next, the whole up until four o'clock tomorrow now to not necessarily trade this pick, but just something. You have another pick that you can use. You can go move some combination of picks and get something to upgrade this team. This team that has some pretty clear holes. This team that's been getting really wrecked by injuries lately. Well, not wrecked, but, you know, they've been getting hurt by injuries lately. And... 
you know, give them the ability to go out and during what was a very, during what was really the first trade deadline I can ever remember that actually lived up to, you know, all the hype, all the, oh, potential moving targets, you know, all the, you know, every trade deadline, all these big name guys are talked about. People give it all that, you know, people talk about all these big guys, how they might be the ones to move, but then none of them ever move. It's always just, you know, it's always the van noise of the world or people like that who move. But Belichick at least consistently usually makes deals at the deadline. Last year he traded Jamie Collins, which caught a lot of people off guard, but traditionally, you know, Belichick makes moves. He at least brings in little guys, you know, not little guys, but, you know, small time guys to fill certain roles. And yeah, traditionally Belichick does something at the deadline and I thought okay he's gearing up now he's adding something to just give this team something you know they've lost Hightower Hogan's gonna miss some time looks like he's gonna be back by the playoffs and all that so in the end he'll be okay but you know this team needs to add some stuff this team needs just to they could use a couple more additions on this team they need Help at linebacker, obviously. I don't think I didn't think they were going to be able to add, you know, some middle linebacker to directly replace Dante Hightower because, in the end, you never, you can't really add a middle linebacker at this point in the year because that's not going to be a guy who knows your defense. He's not going to be able to call the plays. All this, all that. So I wasn't, I didn't. But you know, they could have added an edge rusher. They could have added somebody to supplement the secondary, even though I think that they that they really can at this point. I think Batamosi has played all right. I think that they're going to try to get what they can out of Gilmore if when he eventually plays again. But, you know, maybe they could have used another receiver, somebody so that way, you know, Philip Dorsett isn't catching bombs or isn't catching bombs, but isn't getting bombs thrown to him. You know, some depth on the O-line, so another tight end because, you know, once again, Dwayne Allen... <laughs> has sucked. Dwayne Allen has been nothing short of just terrible. Who was a guy I thought was going to be good. Yeah, you know, Hollister obviously is Hollister. He's not drafted free agent. He's not nothing. But you know, the team had holes. They had I they had places where I felt like they could add players. I would feel better about them going into the season because once again, this has not been a dominant Patriots team, but they've been pretty good in a year where there really isn't any dominant teams. So if they could retool, I'd feel better about them going against the Steelers, the Chiefs, you know, in the NFC, the Seahawks, who added Dwayne Brown, who got better. Even in the division, the Bills, they made a move. They, I want to kind of dive into all the big moves myself. I do actually want to directly dive into them. But even the Eagles, who also made a move. And yeah, it just it felt like I would have felt better if the Patriots... Made some moves. Now, not to say I feel like the power balance in the NFL has been really, really significantly altered, but we did see some real legit big name players move at the deadline. And not to say that necessarily, like, I really wanted the Patriots to go out and get, say, T.Y. Hilton was a name I heard being bandied about, Jarvis Landry. There really weren't any edge defenders really out there at least names I was hearing but I would certainly feel better about this team if they had added a guy even if it wasn't at a position in need just to add you know some more quality players to this team but they didn't do that so where does this sit that where does this sit them in comparison to just the other players that 
teams have added to start in the division. The Kelvin Benjamin trade really blows me in my mind, really, because I, I love Kelvin Benjamin. I loved him in college. He was playing at FSU with Jameis Winston that year. He went undefeated. He was a guy who I really wanted the Patriots to draft at the bottom of that draft. He got drafted by the Panthers, I think, 28th, 29th, right before the Patriots were picking. But, you know, luckily the Patriots instead were able to make out and get Dominique Easley, who obviously was very integral to the 2014 Super Bowl run. But (laughs) I make myself laugh. But Kelvin Benjamin went to the Bills, who I'm not saying I still don't think are a legit team. I just, they're the Bills. I just feel like the wheels are going to fall off eventually, but one of their big holes was wide receiver. You know, after they set, sent out Sammy Watkins, Ronald Darby, you know, looked like, okay, they're tanking. Like they're, but now they've kind of, it's like they've gone back on tanking. And now they're at the beginning of the year, they were sending away guys and now they're bringing new guys in. It's also weird because I don't know what the Panthers are doing. It's as though the Panthers just don't want to have an offense. But that's a that's a team in the division who the Patriots are tied with the Bills right now. Or effectively tied with the Bills. But Patriots are 6-2. and two, The Bills are 5-2. and two. They had a bye last week. They play on Thursday night against the Jets. Very reasonable that, you know, they... The day after... That the day after tomorrow of this airing, that the Bills are 6-2. and two, Right up there with the Patriots. And that the Patriots might have to face them without Hogan one game, without Gilmore. Fine, not without Gilmore. Who cares about Gilmore? But you get my point. Like, the Bills got better. In the NFC, the Seahawks were able to add Dwayne Brown, which is huge for them. They had to give up a lot to do it. They had to give up, but they had to give up a lot of picks. But this year, and not to say that Dwayne Brown's going to fix their O-line because their O-line is putrid, but... He's they de- they still just added a pro bowler to their position group that was really handicapping them and yeah left tackle is a premium position it's a position that makes a huge difference going from having a and no not to exaggerate and say that going from having a sh- a crap don't the dump button got to be careful <laughs> going from having a crap left tackle to having a pro bowl left tackle can change your offense but. Yeah, it can kind of change your whole offense if you're actually giving Russell Wilson, who has been playing great this year a lot of the time, with what he with the level of protection he's been given, some actual time. Yeah, so the Seahawks could, you know, that could really help with their offense. Could help with their running game to a certain degree, but it, it opens up their offense a little more, and the defense has been great, obviously, except for, you know, last week against the Texans where they gave up 38 points, but still. They still have a quality defense, so that door gets open. Then the Eagles, who still have the best record in the league, somehow, they were able to add Jay Ajay, who has struggled this year. I don't think he's, you know, the absolute stud that people think he is, but he's definitely an upgrade over LeGarrette Blunt and, you know, Wendell Smallwood and, you know, all the you know, the motley crew of running backs they have there in Philly. And yeah, he could give them some more consistency to their running game. He could give them the consistency to, you know, regularly convert those third and twos, those third and threes. 
They lost Jason Peters, I think, which is killer for them. But still, they still have a very good O-line with Lane Johnson. And they have other good players whose names I can't remember. But they, they have good players with good Madden ratings on their O-line. But, yeah, the Eagles, another team that's been a contender, look like a contender most of this year. That takes some pressure off of Carson Wentz, which I think is huge. To take a little bit of pressure off of a second-year QB, you know, going into the playoffs. So yeah, that's another thing. That's another team that got, it's another, you know, top tier team that got a lot better. Even the Jaguars, who I'm not saying they're a contender because Blake Bortles will eventually fail them and won't be able to manage throwing 10 passes a game and not screwing the whole thing up. But still, he's, they were able to add Marcel Darius, which isn't a big, big time addition, but he's a player who under Doug Marone, who's a coach in Jacksonville now, was a pro bowler. And he's a guy who at least can really help their run defense. Because as good, great, as excellent as their defense has been, in terms of getting sacks, in terms of pass defense, you know, their their run defense has been a little been a little been a little flimsy. But now you're giving them a guy who can sit in there and at, if he's willing to put in the effort, at least really help you stop the run. Yeah, that's kind of a big deal. That's a pretty, uh, not a big deal, but that's a pretty good move for giving up a sixth round pick. That's a savvy move by Tom Coughlin there. So, yeah, those are some, not still not to say they're a contender in the AFC, but they're 5-2 and two right now. They're, they could very easily make the playoffs. So that's just another playoff team that has gotten better when all the Patriots did was downgrade a backup QB and get a pick for the next few years. Or get a pick for next year. So the Patriots, you know, they did not get better. And really in the last two weeks, they've gotten worse. If anything, because Hightower's gone. He was probably your best defensive player. And Hogan's down for a little bit now. You don't know when he's going to be back. I think he'll be fine because it's a shoulder thing. And that's easier to come back from a knee thing or something. But Hogan's down for now. So, you know, the next couple of weeks, you know, you're rolling into... You're rolling into Denver in a week with, you know, you're probably going to see Dorsett playing a lot of snaps. And then you play the Raiders. And I just, the Patriots still aren't out of the thick of it quite yet. Mind you, the Dolphins are kind of phoning it in and they're awful. And you're playing against the Raiders who have not been as good as a lot of us expected up to this point. I thought that was going to be a much tougher game than maybe it's looking like it'll be now. Depending on how they perform, but you still have to play the Bills twice. Who, not to act like the Bills are this giant threat, but the Bills have been good. I mean, I, I don't want to discredit what they've been so far this year. So it's just to see the Patriots not really add much at the deadline is just, eh. I don't know. I would have liked to at least feel like they were in on the party, I guess. Feel like they were in on this adding stuff party instead of just getting rid of stuff. So. We'll see where it goes. We'll see where it goes with that. But anyway, you know, I don't really want to. We have very little time here. We only have about 10 minutes. So you know what? I don't want to just talk about the Celtics and the Bruins for five minutes apiece. Pasternak is hurt. He's getting part of his colon removed. Kyrie's playing great. Celtics have won five in a row. They play again tonight, I think. I'm not going to really get into any of that. Uh, we were able to get a lot out on Garoppolo Day. A lot of good stuff. I've had a lot of fun talking about all that today. I had a lot of fun with the live stream. I hope that I'm able to 
tweak that a little bit, get the connection going again, start the show on time next week. Get that out of the way. Figure that out so we can do that. Have more interaction. I really enjoyed the live stream. You can go check out the video on the Stadium Experience Facebook page. This episode, like all episodes, will be uploaded to the official Stadium Experience SoundCloud. It'll also be up on iTunes. So anyway, thank you for listening to the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley on 90.7 WXIN. We will be back next week, Wednesday, 4 to 6 p.m. Once again, for the Stadium Experience with Jake Elmsley. I've been having a lot of fun. I'm Jake Elmsley, signing off. See you next week.